2: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 449. Matthew Meyer and I will be coming to Seattle on Friday, December 13th. You have to say it that way. You're, I think legally you're supposed to say it that way. Friday the 13th. Uh, We're going to be at the Showbox in Seattle. Go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. I think there's only a couple tickets left, so do it fast. Uh, And we will see you there in Seattle. Uh, I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. The holidays are here. The post offices are packed. You don't wanna go, and you have a ton of presents and things, hopefully. Um, that you're going to be sending out to people. You can't carry all that crap to the post office. So go to Stamps.com, sign up for an account, print out the exact postage you need, and then your mail carrier will come pick up those packages from you and you will never need to not only set foot in the post office, but you don't need to leave your house either. So there's always the no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale up to $55 of free postage when you use the promo code NERDIST. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Uh, Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage And type in Nerdist That's stamps.com Enter the promo code Nerdist This episode is Lindy Ortega Who I love I discovered her on the radio which is something they still listen to in England uh, I discovered her on the radio uh, two years ago when I was there shooting stuff for the Nerdist TV show there was this, this little Christmas song came on I was there in December it was called Christmas Eve with You and it was so delightful that I sent it uh, sent it back to Skydart and I said this is a really delightful song that you would love and uh, and then we both fell in love with the album uh, Little Red Boots and, uh, and she's great. There's sort of a, a country-esque, old-timey sound. She has a fantastic voice. Uh, she also has a new album out called Cigarettes and Truck Stops. And, uh, and so we kind of became pals via Facebook. And I said, if you're in Los Angeles, whenever that may be, let's podcast you. So she said, sure. We went to Swinghouse Studios. We, we chatted for a little bit. And then she played a song and sounded amazing. So uh, here she is, Lindy Ortega on the Nerds Podcast, number 449. Music Discovery Day. Oh, that's too close to Friday the 13th. Boy, I think those two guys are related. Music Discovery, Friday the 13th. We should talk more.
3: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: So, weird, so, so, watch out. so
2: that it doesn't feel like a like a weird job interview.
0: Can I talk like this? Is this yeah, it's strange.
2: Yeah. No, just grab on, hold on. <laughs> like, to
0: the, like a muscle man? Yeah, just okay. hold on
2: like a muscle man. We could arm wrestle through the entire podcast. I'm into that. Would that be weird? Yeah,
0: no, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Are you
2: guys recording over there? It is happening, Lindy Ortega. It's happening. I'm going to go into uh, airplane mode or podcast mode um, so we don't get interrupted. Uh, but it's good to see you, and it's really exciting to have you on the podcast. I discovered you in London, like, almost two years ago. London, England? London, England. <laughs> London, England. Um, I, was, I was shooting some stuff for BBC over there, and I was in a production van, and they were just listening to the radio, which is something we don't really do in Los Angeles, because we don't... <laughs> it's a big city, but there's not a lot of radio that I would want to just sit and listen to. and uh, But, you know, England is uh, very progressive, and they have good radio music. And they played uh, one of your Christmas songs, and I instantly I shazammed the shit out of it, um, and then bought the, ten- it was the Tennessee Christmas. Yeah, that's right. yeah bought yep. the Tennessee Christmas album, Ooh. and it was one of those situations where I was like, every song I was like, oh, this one's awesome. Oh shit, this one's awesome, uh, and then of course bought the next album, and then you sent me the third the, the third album that I have of yours. Yeah, awesome. So um, anyway. I don't know much about you at all. That's why we're here to find out. I want people to know who you are because they should listen to you. So (laughs) tell me, where are you from? Let's start at the beginning. Um,
0: The outer reaches of the galaxy. Oh, that's really awesome. Well, thank you for coming to our planet. (laughs) I beamed myself down. Um, I'm from space (laughs) music, right? I'm from uh, Toronto, Canada. Yes. Yes. Initially. Initially. Yeah. And I, I live now in Nashville, Tennessee.
2: Did that happen after Rob Ford?
0: Uh, no, oh, okay, but, that happened uh, before. yeah, okay, I've, good. I've, I've escaped all that crazy, but I hear, it, I get, I get wind of it sometimes, but yeah, I, I just, I've been living in Nashville for two years.
2: Now I did know you were Canadian, but I don't, uh, so what is the country scene like in Toronto? Did you,
0: there's not a big, <laughs> there's not a big, hence the move, um, not a big country scene in Toronto. I mean, it's, I think it's starting to be more accepted now than it was when I was making music, so, um. So yeah, there's, there's, it's more accepted. But I, I just thought I should be in Nashville, where all my country music heroes have either, you know, rolled through and spent time there, or pissed it off, or whatever, <laughs> whatever people do. Uh, there's a lot of history that's undeniable. So oh,
2: there's no question. I'm from yeah. Memphis, so I know, right. I know Tennessee. And oh, I,
0: there's no history in Memphis. No, there's no. no I mean, no. You know, it's like we're Absolutely. trying to
2: catch up to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I love Memphis, but Nashville is is sort of like um, uh, a smaller, slightly cleaner. Memphis yeah in, in, a, in a sort of a, a, a in
0: lot a way. cleaner <laughs>
2: it's a little bit it's a little bit cleaner I mean there's definitely you know like down, downtown Memphis has a lot of history and of course Beale Street's very touristy not that Nashville's not doesn't have its tourist strip oh, but it it's just does. you know uh just w- in Nashville just walking what's the what's the street the main drag Broadway Broadway just walking into your random bar there and seeing fucking world-class musicians just jamming it's, it's pretty mind-blowing.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, it's very inspiring, which is part of the reason as well why I moved, moved there. I sound like Tammy Wynette on a bender right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what touring does to your voice. No, you got to you, like,
2: you got to do the draw if you want to sound it, like Tammy.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I'm well, real sorry right now.
0: I'm dude. real sorry that I, my voice sounds like this, but I was out partying and drinking last night.
2: See, that's what people want to hear
0: from Country <laughs> Lifestyle.
2: It's, not, it's so funny is that when you think about the 70s where everyone was just way strung out and on, on all barbiturates and booze that... Um, I just
0: need some barbiturates, really. You, then I'll be all right. Just, you need
2: some bar, just, I don't know what barbiturates are. I just know that that was a thing in the 70s that they warned us about in school. Right. Like, don't take barbiturates. It sounds cool. <laughs> it sounds like a fucked up thing to do to yourself. It sounds like a drug that makes your lip heavy where everything just sounds ugly. Yeah. It, but um it, it but but when you realize that, like when, it, I don't know how those people toured and did all those drugs and did all that cuz you really have to focus and have your wits about
0: you you do now when people are YouTubing everything you do <laughs> so it's, it's a little different i mean back then if you had a crappy show it took a little while for it to get around you know now it's like right on online so so
2: as an artist do you feel like there's more pressure because you're essentially always performing for the world
0: pretty much yeah yeah you're always like there's doesn't matter if you have a cold or whatever like nobody cares about that it goes up online and and it's there and there's nothing you could do about it.
2: Does that make it harder for you to try out new stuff if you if you if you're, you know, if you want to make sure, like, oh I want to try this out, but I don't want anyone to, you know, if it doesn't if it isn't amazing right away, I don't want to be the <laughs> wrong impression. Uh,
0: well we tried out a new song last night, so um I don't know. There's there's something endearing about it sometimes when when you have an audience that's accepting of of you trying things out and they, they like it because they feel like they're part of it you know so yeah we did we did a duet last night that was a lot of fun kind of like a um almost like Jackson you know the Johnny Cash June Carter Cash yeah it's kind of that vibe and um it was it was great I mean it wasn't perfect but it was a lot of fun
2: how did well first of all your ultimate plan of course is to go back to Toronto and 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 smart bomb a country music scene you have to to bring it back to toronto at some point
0: maybe i don't know where i'm gonna end up (laughs) that's a country (laughs) lifestyle right there see you don't know i'm a tumbleweed
2: (laughs) (laughs) a tumbleweed that might hop a train with a bindle staff and and just get off and start playing a show somewhere yeah exactly how are people um how are people i mean now there's you know it's, there, there's there's not really an MTV for artists there's I mean I guess there's you know um, vivo or you can put you can put videos online but how what is your main way of getting out there now? touring just touring
0: bringing myself physically to the people <laughs> and putting on a really great show and hoping that they'll tell their friends so next time I roll around they'll there'll be a bigger crowd and word of mouth has been really the biggest thing and I have a great label who's really stuck by me and helped me uh, do my thing. And it's been awesome.
2: So when you're doing with, with country music, obviously, you know, there are standards that you can play and there's certainly, I I feel like a lot of people start with standards and then sort of spin off of there to kind of figure out what their voice is or what, what it is that they want to say. So when you, when you decided like, Hey, country music is definitely the thing that, that kind of drives me, what was it that you wanted to say?
0: Um, well, you know, I didn't really think about it. I just, I just, uh, when I'm writing songs, I just write from my own experiences. Ninety ninety five percent of my songs, besides the ones about burying people in the backyard, are from my own my own experiences. And um, so I don't I don't really think about what's going to sound really country or or whatnot. And my love of country really comes from stems from my mom's love of country. So I grew up listening to it, and um, she just made me fall in love with all things southern. And I know it's weird because I'm from Toronto, and I shouldn't I shouldn't have this deep love for it but I do and I I can't really explain it part of it's just sort of innate I guess
2: you were just called
0: I was called (laughs) (laughs) by the country winds (laughs) because there's
2: definitely you know I I hear I hear a lot of different kinds of country influence in there too I I hear (laughs) a little bit of there's a little rockabilly there's a little bluegrassy, there's a little bit of traditional country and and so is there a is there is there a specific uh, subgenre that you really feel like speaks to you the most, or is it do you just kind of like do you just kind of like pull from whatever?
0: I just pull from everything that inspires me, and it just comes out like that. <laughs> so yeah, it's again, it's not something where I'm like I'm gonna go more like this and and more like that or whatever. I just I just do what I do, and I don't really know how to explain it, but <laughs> um, I, I just love country. I love all kinds of country, but I also love blues and soul and rock and roll, all the classic stuff, anything, you know, that sort of preceded uh, the the 80s. <laughs> do, you, do you feel
2: like you have to be m- somewhat miserable to write good country songs? I mean, so much of it is like dealing with tragedy and dealing with sadness and dealing with loss and... You know? Do you feel like that's important for country music?
0: Uh, I guess. It, I mean, a lot of people. I said preceding. I meant to say post eighties. Um, sorry, <laughs> I always uh, edit, correct edit. correct myself there. Um, yeah. I, again, like I don't. I don't think about it. I. I. I feel like I draw. I was a daughter of two immigrant parents growing up in Toronto. My mom Irish. My dad Mexican. And, Whoa. Um, yeah. So. How did they find each other? They. They crashed in in, they crashed into each other on a skating rink in city hall in toronto and and uh and then they made me. And um, was that
2: a result of the crash?
0: I guess. Like so. they crashed really
2: hard. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. I think you might be pregnant now.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I do business. come from outer space, so they needed a vessel, and yeah. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I just uh, I, yeah. So I I was lonely, I guess, growing up because I was an only child. I didn't have brothers or sisters, and it was kind of weird. I was kind of a loner in school. I got bullied when I was in elementary school. So in Canada? Yeah, it happens everywhere. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I know they say Canadians are so nice and they are, <laughs> but I was bullied. And, um, and so I just, um, I just, uh, I draw from those, that those feelings, I guess, and put them into my music because I feel like, um, loneliness is inherent to the human condition and we all, we all go through it. So, um, uh, yeah, I write about it because I, I don't don't want everybody to feel lonely all the time and it, hopefully if they know that I feel it too, that they know that it's all it's being human and it's it's not just them going through it.
2: How many nights, how many weeks a year are you touring? Is it pretty nonstop?
0: <laughs> I'm touring all the time. Yeah. I think I tour like six six to eight months out of the year.
2: Is it intimidating to go to a city like Nashville where you know that I mean, I, I guess it's sort of similar to if you're an actor, you go to Los Angeles, and it's like, oh, there's a fucking million and a half actors. <laughs> like, how do you how do you sort of squeeze into the scene, and how do you kind of plant your flag as like, no, but here's I'm different because of this reason.
0: Well, I just massacre everybody. And it, <laughs> oh wow, you, so you killed everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, no, <laughs> um, not at all. Uh, yeah, it, for me, moving to Nashville was was mostly a history lesson. I wanted to go where where the history was and retrace the steps and go. to the country music hall of fame and the opry and and learn about things and i already had a team assembled before i moved to nashville so it wasn't about getting a record deal or getting agents or anything like that and it was really just a change of scenery and um and just a challenge to myself to to see if i could do it to see if i could leave all my comforts and at home in my country and just start somewhere fresh and new and and uh, see if it was possible, and so it was a challenge to myself.
2: How do you force yourself to write when you don't feel like writing?
0: Uh, I don't. I never force it. I feel like forcing it never yields any good results. So <laughs> I just, I just let it hit me. And if it's not hitting me at a certain moment, I just put it away and come back to it when it feels more natural.
2: Do you feel like music is uh, the main relationship in your life?
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's great. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
2: Is, this the, is there anything else that you want to do? Or would yes. You, what, are, what, are, what else? I want to
0: chase tornadoes.
2: Do you want to be a tornado chaser? I do. I,
0: I have, I'm so nerdy for that, yes.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried to chase any
0: tornadoes? Mm, some sometimes I make people and go in their cars because I don't drive so that's like the first I guess thing that I need to do in order to chase a tornado but um, I've been out with friends and a storm system is rolling through and I hear about some mesocyclonic rotation and I'm like we gotta get on that we gotta chase that supercell it's heading north-northeast you're driving
2: some serious <laughs> it's got, got really strong wind shear awesomeness <laughs> right now do you understand that it, it, I think you could probably do a whole album and, and you have you ever thought about Writing about a literal tornado, but then just letting people think that it's about love or a relationship <laughs> or whatever. Maybe
0: I do. Maybe. I've what? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Maybe. I can't reveal my secrets.
2: <laughs> oh my god. If I could convince you to do anything, anything, even though you don't know me, if I could convince you to do one thing, it would be to write like a country song. My best friend and I wrote a series of country songs. We were I had a comedy band and we wrote a series of country songs. Because I'm from the south, I already told you that. But it was about uh, basically they were country songs about science because no, there had not been country songs about <laughs> science.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we wrote
2: uh, we wrote about a lot of things. We wrote about uh, um,
0: thermonucleosis.
2: We did not write it. Did not write it. But what did we What did we write about? Well, we wrote it, we wrote a song called "Death of the King," which is all about the literal process that happens when a body dies, oh, wow. but through the lens of Elvis Presley. Nice. Uh, which Elvis fans were very upset at, oh, but he died, yeah, we gotta let it go mm-hmm. um and then uh, and then we wrote another song that was uh, we were about the carbon cycle, like because it, it just country music, it feels like such a great way to express all that stuff, so if you can do it, <laughs> I would beg you to write. A a literal uh, meteorology song, a tornado song, sure, and just have it be super science. What
0: can we rhyme with mesocyclonic rotation? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> um, uh, See,
0: it's not that easy. <laughs>
2: harmonic of love nation.
0: Yes, that's great. <laughs> that's not great. We'll, we'll put it all together.
2: There's a, mesocyclonic rotation is not in that rhyming dictionary.
0: No, I know it's it's hard. It's hard to to do it, but I'm gonna do it. I'll do it for you. Will you please do Absolutely, that? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you that.
2: I, I, I the the nerds would go ape shit if because. If there's one thing that's really great, it's a song that's about something that's science-y and then it's actually a good song at the same time. Yeah. And I think your voice is singing a tornado song. I would,
0: I'm really concerned about it. I want to impress the nerds because I feel like I am a nerd. (laughs) Look at me. I'm dressed as a nerd right now for you. No, (laughs) no, no, no. But do you really really feel that way? Do you really feel that way? Oh, I've always been a nerd. I am a nerd for sure. So what was
2: it that made you feel that way when you were growing up?
0: Well, I was never cool. (laughs) I was never cool at school. and uh I was an outsider and I was obsessed with storms and um yeah, I was just and I was a goofy dorky is dorky a word? Yeah. Yep, dorky's dorky. a word.
2: <laughs> yeah. So those are all sort of the uh do you feel like those were the seeds of, of countryism of like I don't fit in, I'm I'm a, I'm a fish out of water, I'm I'm Mexican and Irish, but I'm in Canada. And...
0: <laughs> maybe. Maybe to some um, some extent, yes.
2: Do you speak French as well?
0: No, I speak more Spanish than I do French. Oh, that's cool. That's
2: really cool. So what is your citizenship then?
0: Oh, I have Canadian citizenship. You do have Canadian
2: citizenship. You don't get automatic Irish citizenship? for.
0: Well, I could have, but I I had to do it by a certain age, and I'm 107 now, so I'm way past (laughs) my age for that. (laughs)
2: Uh, So when you're in Nashville, are you performing... Every night or is, is no. that where you go to just...
0: <laughs> that's where I go to relax. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I do we do Nashville on, on our tours, like we it's a stop on the tour. But uh, I don't really play as much because I'm I'm touring so much, so I'm very rarely there to be honest
2: have you seen a lot of america at this point? Yes. So what do you what is your favorite thing to do when you roll into it? Do you are you fly everywhere or do you do by bus? Oh no. Bus?
0: I wish I had the money for that. No, we drive in a in a hoarders van. Our van, we call it the hoarders van right now because it's just packed to the brim and uh there's no place to put your feet. It's yeah, it's Really gross band van van.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You're living the life, the dream. That's the dream. Oh, yeah, it's the dream, all right. I'm telling you, though, when you, when you start making bazillions of dollars and you have fancy, like, you know, Loretta Lynn-style tour buses, <laughs> you'll be bored. Like, it'll be comfortable the first time, but I promise you, you'll look back and go, oh, I miss that van, that shitty van where there, where there was no room. Everyone's got their own bus, you know. Like, now, you're really creating a bonding experience and a community.
0: It's, it is, actually. It's a lot of fun.
2: Who do you find are the the main uh who who's coming to your shows the most? Do you do you notice any consistencies in your audience?
0: Um well, it changes. It depends where we're at. Sometimes it's a lot of, like, older men. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then sometimes it's, like, a lot of social D fans because I opened for Social Distortion. Oh, really? Yeah, I did a few tours opening for them, and so um, their fans have been really great. Like, the punk scene has been really accepting for what I do, and they've come out, so a lot of tattooed and rockabilly kind of uh, dudes and girls, and it's great. Oh, that's really cool. What do
2: you think yeah. the crossover is? Like, what do you think the crossover appeal is?
0: Um... I I think it's ma- mainly because I think those kinds of fans believe in people that have a lot of conviction and I have a lot of conviction in what I do even though it's not really in one particular lane way or genre it's, I I guess you could say in terms of music I'm a bit of an outsider I don't really fit anywhere so the the punk world I guess is happy to accept people that don't really fit anywhere and I think they also like the fact that you know I dress in black, I'm a big fan of Johnny Cash, I play a badass guitar. <laughs> and, you know, there's an edge to what I do.
2: Do you, do you think there'll ever come a point where, um, you know, it's like, so the sort of punk mentality of like, oh, we're always on the outside and we're fringe and we're kind of going against the establishment. And then eventually what happens a lot of times is you know, a punk band actually becomes big, or they actually do kind of become the establishment. Do you think that's do you think that's a bad thing? Like, are you is there a is there a level of success that you're afraid of, or do you not think about that stuff?
0: I'm not afraid of it. It's just because it's taken me so long to get to where I am now that I feel like I'll always forever have my mentality. I don't think I'll ever get weird about it. You know, I mean, um, I have a lot of integrity, so I, I will continue to have it no matter what happens.
2: What's what's your dream scenario? Like when you think of you know, when you're kind of falling asleep at night, and you kind of envision like someday, someday, you know, like what, is, I what is the someday? Is go it?
0: on tour with Willie Nelson and do a duets record with him
2: <laughs> in, a, in the in the middle of a tornado? Yeah,
0: in the middle of a tornado, we'll just do a tour of Tornado Alley. That's, That's what it <laughs> is. You, you're
2: playing. Uh, you're 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 singing. Uh, you don't bring me flowers with Willie Nelson on stage, and he's like, "Thank you, good night." And then you hop in a truck and chase a fucking tornado. Right. That would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Would be awesome, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you're but that kind of a dream is not. That's not. I mean, with the exception of the tornado chasing, that's not a crazy thing. Like, you, you, and with what you're doing, someone could see you. He could see you. Someone could get a recording or see you on YouTube or whatever. And then the next thing you know, you could that could happen.
0: That would be amazing. I hope it does.
2: <laughs> How close do you think you are to something like oh, that? Oh, I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's all funny, you know. It's like it's all connections and like you said, random things where you hear somebody in a in a van or something heard on the radio where you'd never normally hear it or somebody uh, plays, you know, your record for somebody or, um, God, they see you on TV. I was, I was on uh, Nashville, the TV show I played myself. Oh, well, that's awesome. And uh, a lot of people sort of discovered my music just through randomly seeing me on that. So, um, yeah, it's, you never know what little connections are going to work and who knows.
2: What's the state of country radio now?
0: I don't know. I don't listen to it.
2: <laughs> really? <laughs> is, it too, is it too poppy?
0: It's just you know I like vintage sounds, I love old classic um, ways of recording um, uh, I'm not into this uh auto tune business and all that stuff <laughs> and, yeah. uh there I find there's a format you know like the whole music row aspect of of Nashville is um there's a certain format that people fit, and uh the music I like doesn't fit that format
2: do you like uh how classic how how like what type of classic country are you like? Are you a Ray Price fan at all? I don't know
0: too much Ray Price. I'm I'm more like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, Whalen, Chris Christopherson. But I've been reading about Ray Price a little bit in the uh Johnny Cash. He's biography. older school. He's older school. Yeah.
2: And his songs are so goddamn sad. Like it is it's the saddest I mean that it was like there was that style of country music where there would, you know, like there would be like violins in the background. There was string there's strings in the background and yeah. everything was like Lay your head down on my pillow. You know, it's like everyone's <laughs> everyone's breaking up and and sad that it didn't work out, and yeah. it's completely heartbreaking. But if you get a chance, it's I'll, I'll it's phenomenal. Appreciate. It sure. Did you like that? Uh, did you like that form that that kind of Waylon Jennings stuff in the seventies where it started to get? Like, there was almost a little bit of funk to the country.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, it's cool because it's Waylon, you know. But, I, I mean, I, I always will prefer the old classic sound. Like, I love old, old school Dolly, like The Grass Is Blue and everything before that. Um, I'll always love Dolly because she is who she is. But, and her music has definitely changed. But um, it's, it's just all old school for me. I'm just a truest, I guess.
2: Have you ever gone down, like, a Dolly Parton YouTube rabbit hole?
0: Well, I saw something on YouTube the other day where she was rapping for Queen Latifah. (laughs) What? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's interesting.
2: (laughs) Oh, I I started going to... It's like seeing in the 80s, you know, like when she would surprise Kenny Rogers on stage. Yeah, yeah. And they would be in these, like, stadiums of just tens of thousands of people. And then, and watching that woman command an audience and that and the voice i don't know how it is it did you did you have a natural voice like that or do you feel like you you really honed your voice
0: well i mean i've been singing since i was about 16 years old and i feel like i wasn't singing the way i do now when i was 16 <laughs> so I, I i mean i i worked hard to to be a good singer and um and, and it took a, a long time, so I, I can't say I was, I came out of the womb, you know, singing amazingly, but <laughs> the, I mean, I didn't know I could have, I had a powerful voice until I was trying to get people to shut up and listen to me sing in a, in a bar where people were talking really loudly. And I was like, how am I going to get their attention? And then I just started wailing. And then I realized, man, I can actually, <laughs> I can hit crazy notes and stuff. And I didn't know that until I was like
2: 22. Uh, do you do any songs in Spanish?
0: I've tried. I mean, I don't have any, like, releases in Spanish, but I can do in my Mucho. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think a Spanish song and then a Tornado song. I- I'm just... I'm trying to help you plan the next album. I think I hope, it's great. I hope that's not... I'd I
0: love hope. to do it with mari- mariachis as well.
2: I think mariachi... Yeah, would
0: be f- I want to have mariachis on stage with me, Ella like like, uh, Linda Rodstead, you know.
2: it's a, It must be kind of... It, I mean... As a touring artist, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you're like, "Oh, it'd be really great if I could do this," but it's so expensive to. I mean, it's. I, I'm sure it's. You can really kind of barely break even when you're on the road and you have a bunch of gear and you have to. I don't think people realize, like, what it's like for for a touring artist.
0: No, yeah, it's. It, <laughs> we do have a lot of gear. We've decided to call our 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 tour this time around the "More Crap" tour because <laughs> we just decided to bring like keyboards and extra guitars. So, and there was a point where we could couldn't fit one more thing into our back area of our van. And, um, you know, me and my guitar player, we both have wrenched our arms and stuff, just, like, lifting stuff. and um, So that's not the glamorous side of it, but it's all worth it when we're, you know, playing the shows and, and there's people there and they're connecting to what we're doing and we're feeling it, and that's what makes everything worth it.
2: How do you know if a show, like what, how do you know if, if a show is is working? Do you have a good sense of that?
0: Yeah, usually like there's good hooting and hollering going on. People look like they're having a great time. And uh, yeah, you just, you, you, you sense that it's like a symbiotic relationship. When they give it to you, you give it back and it's a, it becomes a better show, you know, for everybody.
2: If they don't, do you kind of go internal and just go, okay, I just have to get through this? Or do you, feel, <laughs> or do you grab, them, or do you essentially try to grab them by the lapel?
0: Well, I have... I have times where if I, I feel like nobody's paying attention or it's not, you know, getting the attention I think it deserves, I, I I will have a tendency to be more like in your face about it. But um yeah, I I mean, we've been so lucky. We we have great people coming out to the shows so we, we don't really come by that too often. I think one of the issues we come by every once in a while is when we have weird monitor sounds, like, because when you when you tour, you have, like, monitors so you can hear yourself, and um, sometimes they're all, like, old and muffly and, like, really bottom-endy, and you sound like you're singing through a tin can in, in the bottom of the ocean, and um, it makes it difficult to hear yourself, and that kind of affects how you perform sometimes, because you just don't hear yourself properly, and so that happens every once in a while, but... People don't know that stuff, but... You know. Maybe
2: not, but I, I think sometimes that the, the hindrances are actually, like, what can make a show special.
0: Oh, I mean, my guitar player always says to me, you're only as good as your last show, and it's always a good, a good way for, like, raising the bar for the next show. And, and it's always good and humbling to have experiences where shows don't go awesome <laughs> because it just shows you what you can improve on. Well, I
2: just think that... I think, you, I think people tend to remember the shows more. Like, if, you know, the shows that go perfectly... You go, oh, that was great. Actually, that went the way it was supposed to go. But I think you always remember the shows where you go, yeah, we had to knock a guy off the stage, <laughs> and the one monitor we had to dr- run a, an extension cord <laughs> to the next building so that we could play. And, you know, nothing yeah. worked right, but we still managed to make it work.
0: Yeah, you're right. Those ones are the most memorable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite cities to tour in the States?
0: Mm, I love New Orleans. It's one of my favorite. It's just, uh, there's this kind of. Um, spooky vibe to it that really calls to me and uh i love the architecture i love being close to the swamp i filmed a music video on the swamp and uh i loved every second of it so that's one of my favorite i love touring texas just because everybody's hooting and hollering out there and they're they're a nice loud fun audience and um gosh where else oh i don't know it's all it's always fun la's fun san francisco is fun is la fun yeah
2: okay good yeah I always feel like L.A. is not great for bands sometimes because I, I feel like it's, uh, it, it, I mean, there definitely is a music scene here in Los Angeles, but I, I always feel like it's so everything's so spread out, mm. you know, that um, I don't really think of, I don't really think of, I never think I should go see music in Los Angeles. I don't go, oh, it's L.A., you know, but if I'm in another city, if I'm in New York or if I'm in Nashville or whatever, right. I, I think, oh, we could probably go see some music. But I just, I, I wonder sometimes if, because there are so many, industry people in Los Angeles if it makes it kind of not a great place to perform because it's... The audiences are just... They're just different than other places.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first time I, I, I played here, I kind of felt that sort of industry vibe thing, but... Um I mean, I've, I've had a couple great shows at the Hotel Cafe, which is yeah. a nice little scene there. So that, that's been a lot of fun. So I can only speak from my own experiences. I, I don't know. But, um, and hopefully tonight will go awesome. Tonight's going to be great. You're playing at the Mint,
2: which yes. is the Mint is fantastic. <laughs> um, I, had a, I had some friends of mine. Um, there was a, it was sort of an alternative bluegrass band called the Cousin Lovers, and they were phenomenal. <laughs> the but, Cousin Lovers. The Cousin Lovers, yeah. But they were <laughs> phenomenal. Um, and in addition to writing amazing bluegrass music with kind of weirdly contemporary themes, also they would bust out in the middle of the set a bluegrass version of the America's Funniest Home Video theme. <laughs> like they were a really, really, really great band. Um, but the Mint, the Mint has a lot of history, and it, and it, it even just the vibe of that room is be like I could I so see you in the middle of that. It just—it seems like it fits your vibe really well.
0: Yeah, I played there once a while ago, a long time ago, and it it is a very cool room. And I love that there's a Johnny Cash painting right, right beside the uh, sound man's shoulder. So (laughs) every time I look at him, I can see Johnny Cash.
2: (laughs) What was it that? What do when you think of Johnny Cash? What do you see? Like, what is it that? How do how do you define him?
0: He's um, he's somebody who I'd like to model my career after. In terms of, um, I think he's so much more than a country. Uh, a country singer Um, everybody respects him from every genre from hip hop to metal to punk to country uh, to folk roots everybody loves Johnny Cash and he was just able to be transcending and I think it was because he was such a trailblazer and such an individual and so unique had a unique voice And, um, it was just a good thing that Sam Phillips at Sun Records, you know, discovered that in him and, and, uh, and, and helped him develop that amazingness and, um, yeah, just him just doing his own thing and sticking to his guns and going out there and recording a record at Folsom, which was a wild idea, and, but he wanted to do it, even though his label was like, no, no, and he said, well, I'm going to do it, and you can put it out if you want to, but I'm doing this. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love everything from his songwriting to his voice to the way he conducted himself business-wise.
2: Now, do you, do you feel like you have a Folsom idea? Which is something that you really want to?
0: I I mean, I've I've brought it up. I mean, I wouldn't mind going to correctional facilities. Well, not that one (laughs) specifically, but do you
2: have like some sort of an idea that's super, you know, groundbreaking or just an or something that's very personal to you that normally someone would go, I don't know if you should do that, and you go, No, I'm gonna. I really need to do this.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe nothing groundbreaking like that. But I, I'm always coming up with crazy, crazy ideas. So um, I hope to follow through with all of them. I, I want to write a short, a book of short stories. And they're all about like... Um, just weird things like amputees falling in love, and like, <laughs> and and um and then like a person that runs a morgue and falls in love with her with a dead body, and <laughs> all this like weird stuff. And uh, I want to have a song for every yes, every yes. Uh, every short story. So like six short stories, and then song to to follow up, and then put it t- together as like an EP slash short story book. That's a fantastic idea. <laughs>
2: When is this going to happen?
0: Whenever I get some time off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can you, are you good at taking time off? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know I'm not either. No. Um, do, you, what is your, do you feel like there are trails left to blaze? Do you feel like, when you talk about Johnny Cash, you know, he was, part of what he had was sort of being on the forefront of kind of a, a revolution in music. Yeah. The, he had a bit of timing on his side, too. Do you feel like now there are still trails left to blaze?
0: Uh... Only in one respect, and I would think that um, that would be the state of country music radio, given what it is now, I don't feel is a level playing field. And I think there are artists that are coming up now that are demanding attention, and, um, and, and they are getting that attention, and I think it's just a matter of time before the playing field becomes a little bit more equal. And it's not just the, whatever fits, whatever's formulaic and formatted to fit for mainstream country re- radio, but also, um, you know, people that are doing more roots here, classic stuff, is not going to be relegated to just uh, Americana or alt-country, but will be allowed to be called country as well and, and be thought of in the same respect. And And I hope I hope that happens. I mean, the only sad thing is, like, People are doing it. Um, Casey Musgraves is an example. And um, but you talk to people about her, and uh, oftentimes it's referred to as an anomaly in radio. It's like, yeah, she's doing it, but she's kind of an anomaly. And it's like, I, I you know, look for the day, and hopefully people will be trailblazing that, um, uh, where it's no longer an anomaly and it's an accepted form, and it can exist alongside uh, people that are doing new country.
2: That's fantastic. And finally, <clears throat> before you play a song, what is your perfect Sunday? What's your perfect day off?
0: A bottle of red wine, Merlot. My record player with some um, Lead Belly or Sunhouse spinning, and uh, dancing with myself with candles in the living room. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah.
2: Nice. Well, I really hope that you. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I. Uh, have access to media funds and if you ever decide to write the tornado song (laughs) i would love to produce the video for it because i'm telling you there is a whole audience of nerdy folk that if you sang a really soulful sciencey song about tornadoes it, I think it, I'm not kidding when I say I think it would be huge.
0: Well, I'm in love with uh, storm chasing and tornadoes, so it's not, you don't need to sell me on it. I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will absolutely do it.
2: Do you, do you keep a copy of Twister uh, with the you at all times?
0: There's, it's not scientifically accurate. that, <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I can't get behind Twister for a lot of reasons. It's fine for Hollywood. It's good sure. for entertaining, but it's not scientific. It's
2: a little bit of a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what, you guys are, I know you're playing at the Mint tonight, so we have to let you go in a minute, but what song are you going to play?
0: Waiting on my luck to change.
2: Okay, and do you want to tell, say anything about the song?
0: Well, you? the song was inspired about, um, from, by... <laughs> I have to learn how to talk again. The song was inspired by uh, constantly touring and uh, fl- taking lots of flights. And I realized uh, while I was flying that no matter how crappy and horrible the weather was on the ground, once you got above the clouds, it was always sunny. And uh, I thought that was a good metaphor for people that were down on their luck.
2: That is fantastic. Okay, yeah. Lindy Ortega, uh, we will now, I don't know how to transition over to this. Play the song! <laughs> much that
3: was fantastic now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito
2: this episode of the nerdist podcast is brought to you by stamps.com go to stamps.com click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in nerdist for a hundred and ten dollar bonus offer including a digital scale and fifty five dollars of free postage that's stamps.com enter the promo code nerdist Hey, listeners, it's
1: Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago, as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome the dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride, One and Two, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric, and this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they Met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today? Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this Bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser!